Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. A short study every single day, about 13 minutes or so, but it keeps us in God's Word, and that's important for our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. We encourage you always share these studies with everybody you can. Help somebody in your life grow in their faith, come closer to God, and maybe even get to heaven by sharing these studies and getting them into God's Word. And you can do that through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our line of thought and study. We're still in the overall general theme of heart troubles or problems of the heart from a spiritual perspective, such as anger, hatred, weak faith, fear, gossip, ingratitude, and on and on. In this particular section, we're talking about prejudice, and we're obviously talking about ungodly prejudice. We've used as a kind of a springboard text for our study, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 21. And here the apostle Paul wrote, I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing with partiality. Now, those two words, prejudice and partiality, both used within the same verse of Scripture, are basically synonyms. They're talking basically about the same thing. And so we're talking about ungodly prejudice or partiality against somebody, or it could be for somebody, but it's on an ungodly basis. And generally, when we're talking about it from this perspective, when somebody says, well, he's prejudiced for this person over here, well, that usually means then he's prejudiced against a person who might be contradictory to that other person. So we need to understand, ungodly prejudice is wrong, it's sinful, it's wicked, it's evil, it's ugly. Now, again, on a very, very narrow basis, there could possibly be an understanding that some prejudice might be good or godly or understandable, such as a mother loving her child no matter what that child might be like. She still loves him. She's still prejudiced toward that child. Does not mean she excuses anything that he does that's ungodly, but she still loves him, and in that way she's prejudiced toward her child. She'll never stop loving him. She'll always embrace him with open arms, but that doesn't mean she excuses him of any evil in which he might be engaged. So from that very narrow perspective, we might say, okay, some prejudice maybe, you know, would be godly or righteous. But what we're talking about is obviously ungodly prejudice. And God is our standard for righteousness in all matters, including when it comes to the subject of prejudice. God holds no prejudice, no prejudice. He offers forgiveness and salvation to all who will come to him through Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord and Savior. Remember John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever, believe, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Remember Jesus' great invitation in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 
God's judgment always is and always will be without prejudice, without prejudice. Peter talks about God and his judgment who without partiality or prejudice judges. We need to follow God's example in how we think about others, how we treat others, and how we deal with others. Always, no matter what position we might be in relation to those other people, we need to respect them and treat them respectfully and honorably and to not be prejudiced or to exhibit prejudice against them in any way. And especially within the Lord's church, we should be shining examples of people who treat one another and think about one another and talk about one another in a godly way, in a righteous way, without prejudice. We also, after looking at a number of New Testament scriptures that teach against this kind of ungodly prejudice, we looked through a whole host of Old Testament scriptures that teach the very same thing. And so the point that I was trying to make was that God, through his word, has taught against prejudice continually from the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. We need to take note, we need to take heed, and we need to put prejudice out of our hearts. Now, we've talked about even secret prejudice. Some people are prejudiced in secret. They're not going to state their prejudice openly, but they've got it in their heart. And they do act accordingly. They think accordingly about other people or other situations. They just don't verbalize it where anybody else can hear. But they may demonstrate it privately and maybe on a private basis when they think only one or two people are there who understand and agree with them, they might talk about it. But they don't make it public. It's secret. That's still sin. That's still sin. Now, it... it you know, bothers a lot of people, I'm sure, to think of this kind of prejudice being against somebody in a prejudicial way, prejudging them, having your mind made up just because of something about them. And it's, it, again, we've, we've emphasized that prejudice comes in all kinds of forms and in all kinds of directions. It's not limited to one particular exclusive line or thought of prejudice. It's not all racial. It's in some kinds, in some cases, geographic. Sometimes it has to do with, with somebody who's wealthy against somebody who's poor or somebody who's poor against somebody who's wealthy. And let me tell you, the prejudice goes back and forth, too. It's not just one-sided. It's exhibited in, in, in both directions, whatever the, pre, whatever the line of prejudice might be about. Well, God teaches against this kind of prejudice throughout his word. Now, when we come to recognize then, okay, obviously, prejudice is ungodly. Prejudice is wrong. Prejudice is sinful. How do I overcome it? How do I overcome it? Some people embody a degree of prejudice in their heart because 
they were taught that prejudice growing up in their home as children. And they may even have come to realize this is not right, but it's still there. It's still kind of instinctive in their thinking. How do I overcome that? How can we overcome prejudice and put it out of our heart? If we think of it as an illness, as an infection, and from a spiritual perspective, it is an infection. It infects our soul. What's an antidote? If a person is bitten by a poisonous snake or a poisonous spider, say, if they can get to the emergency room at the hospital, probably they can receive an antidote of one kind or another. And that can neutralize the poison or at least cut its effect down so that they will not be overcome. Well, what's an antidote for prejudice? Love. Love is the antidote for prejudice. And some people might be rolling their eyes and said, I knew it was going to come, something like that, something so trite and trivial. Come on, get real, preacher. I am real. Love is the antidote for prejudice. Because you see, when you love somebody, when you truly love somebody, you can't be prejudiced against them. You just can't. Because love replaces the prejudice. Love is the antidote for prejudice. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning with verse 4, and reading down through the first part of verse 8, we read about the highest quality love that is taught in the scriptures, and that's what we call agape, or agape love. And agape love, and there are a number of different Greek words that refer to love from one aspect or another. And some of them are you know, less positive than others. But agape love is the highest form of love. It's a love that is not dependent upon primarily emotion. In fact, some people would define it as saying, it is without emotion. It is a love without emotion. I have a tough time buying that. I believe that love basically inherently within it to some degree at least all, always embodies some kind some deal some degree of emotion but agape love is not primarily dependent upon and driven by emotion it is a love that you make up your mind to embody for that person And sometimes we have to love people who are pretty unlovable. Agape love is that kind of love. That kind of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8. Look at all of these qualities. And this love that is brought out is translation from agape in the Greek into love in the English. Now, we, we don't have all of those different words that all translate into love in our English. That we do have some that would relate to it, such as compassion and maybe even passion. But agape, agape love in the Greek, 
highest form. We don't have that kind of word in our English language that I know of, and I'm pretty knowledgeable about our English language. We begin reading with verse 13. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You see, if we love with those qualities embodied within our love for other people, we will not be prejudiced against them. We'll finish our study next time. Let's pray. Father, help us to love as you would have us to, and thereby to put away prejudice from our hearts. Help us to be the examples of godly love to everybody around us. Please strengthen us in this, Father, we pray, and thereby we can, give, we can bring you glory through the eyes of others. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.